Hello and welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Kimo Pokini adopted his dog Jazz when he moved to a new city as an adult. He found so much love and courage that he decided after over 20 years to finally come out to his parents, giving him a new sense of family, self-identity, and acceptance of others. This also translated into Kimo's animal and humanitarian efforts, including a history of volunteer work and being a co-founder of Rough Haven Crisis Sheltering, where he is currently the Director of Development. Kimo, welcome to Dog Save the People. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Whereabouts are we speaking to you from, Kimo? So I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Not originally, although I've lived here for a good portion of my life now. I was actually born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. Okay. But uh, moved here, I want to say maybe 25-ish years ago. What was your relationship like to dogs growing Uh, up in Hawaii? You know, even though I've always considered myself an animal lover, and we certainly had pets growing up, my family in Hawaii, pets are kind of like an accessory to the house. We kept them outside. We rarely brought them in. We rarely interacted with them. They were just protectors, I guess. Even when I was a kid, I thought, when I get older, I'm going to get a dog. What was it like growing up there? Growing up in Hawaii, I was the youngest of four kids, a working class family, very religious family. And religion was sort of the center of our life in a lot of ways. It ran its thread through just about every aspect. And I graduated from Brigham Young University, which as many people know is a Mormon university. But ultimately, I knew when I was five years old that I was different. And that led to feeling like I was other. Some people think that's too young to know that you're gay. When you're a kid, And when your religion is such a center of your life, that messaging, it caused me to retreat, to hide. This is something that I relate to, Kimo, very much because I knew from a young age that I was gay before I even had a word for it. I had an understanding that I was different. I was raised Catholic and there was a lot of spoken and unspoken messaging. And yet I also love the church. Like I love so much of the stories and a lot of it is absolutely beautiful. But... I think we had to somehow separate ourselves from that in order to really be our true selves. I resonate so much with what you say because it wasn't like leaving the church was easy. There is a lot of pressure to just kind of fit in. I decided that I just couldn't do it anymore. As my awareness grew, realized that if something was going to change, it was going to have to be me and I needed to find my own path. Mm. And after I graduated, I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah and just tried to figure things out from there. At what point in your life did you decide to get a dog? I adopted Jazz in my mid-20s. I was living my life more or less out in terms of dating. My close friends and acquaintances and work colleagues knew at that point. But I hadn't come out yet to my parents, and so I kept them for last. At the time, it seemed like it was too scary, quite honestly. Yeah. One night, I remember just lying in bed as I'm going to sleep and thinking, tomorrow is the day that I'm going to come out to them. I decided that instead of telling both of my parents at the same time, pick yep. my dad first, I say, dad, I've got something to tell you. He said, what? And I said, well, I'm dating someone pretty seriously at the moment, and his name is Steve. 
we had a brief conversation about what that meant. And he said something to the effect that that means that you're not going to go to heaven. And I said, I haven't figured everything out yet. I just thought that this is the time to let you know, because everyone else in my life pretty much knows now. So I told him, would it be okay if you tell mom? And he said, okay. Again, I thought in my head that was the easier way to go. I get a call from my mom later that night and she's crying on the phone. She said, why couldn't you tell me? Mm. And I said, it was just too hard. And then she said something to me that forever changed my life. She said, I just want you to know that whoever you decide to be with, they're always welcome at our house. Never thought I would hear those words. Wow, Kimo. Sometimes dogs are the only living, breathing, sentient things that keep us afloat. And the fact that she was your family, perhaps your parents saw that and they knew you were going to be okay. I'm sure that Jazz had something to do with that because she and I were a family. And no matter what happened, I could go back to my family. Mm. Now it just so happened that she also gave me the courage to tell my parents that relationship with my first rescue animal as an adult opened my eyes in ways that I'd never expected it to. Now, Kimo, I know at one point your dad's health began to decline. How did Jazz help you through this period? I was still working a 40 plus hour job, coming home, having to do caregiving opportunities, trying to find some semblance of a social life because I'm still a young guy. So balancing all that was really difficult. And yeah. as much as I love my dad, and there are times when I would just be so frustrated. Jazz was such a huge support for me. I say that she was my life support. There were times when she would just hop up on the bed next to dad, and he was already bedridden at this point. She would just lie with him. Mm. I remember watching his hand as he would stroke her, and she was just there. It meant the world for me because it felt like it wasn't just me. The burden wasn't on me alone. So she definitely helped me through that time. She was there for everybody. Well, wow, isn't that incredible? They just know. They sense that. And that's that incredible dog-human bond. It's like it was her job, but it came so naturally. It's like, this is just my place in the family. This is what I do. That's so beautiful. Now, can you tell me a little bit about Rough Haven and how that came to be? What Rough Haven does is that when people experience a crisis or an emergency, we will temporarily take in their dog or cat for up to 90 days to allow the family to get through that emergency. In situations like domestic violence or hospitalization or addiction treatment, drug rehabilitation, so many times people don't get the help that they need because they're afraid of what's going to happen to their pet. Through this work, what I've realized is that there are so many situations that are above and beyond someone's control that threaten the safety and security of the family, which if a pet is in that family, it also threatens that pet. With 70% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck and 8% to 11% of people in the U.S. experiencing poverty, most of those homes have animals in them. So we have to start thinking in animal welfare of how we look at what we call both ends of the leash to get a more holistic approach to providing programs and services that can benefit this pet retention idea. And we may not ever know who that family is and what their circumstances were, but we just know that we're pitching in and helping out our fellow humankind and our pets too. 
That's incredible. I have spoken with a couple of organizations that do related things. There's a group in New York called Pause NY, and what they do is they help seniors and other people that have health or financial issues to stay with their dogs. And so they have a group of volunteers that go into the home. Then at another time, I spoke with a group called Urban Resource Institute, and they started an organization called People and Animals Living Safely, PALS. Mm. It helps people who are in domestic violence situations, and it helps them to find shelters. It also creates its own shelters where pets are allowed. And I do think that seems to be growing as an idea. I hope that you are able to really see the impact that you are creating, that you are having on so many lives. That means so much to me, John. Thank you. I have to say that jazz, for me, I feel like I was pointed in this direction. I will also say this, an organization like Rough Haven, it doesn't happen with a bunch of people seeing the same thing. And so kudos to everyone out there, including our volunteers. This work doesn't happen by itself. Absolutely. Kimo, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today? Thank you so much for inviting me to your show. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you. And I feel like we've got a lot in common, actually. I think we do, yes. <laughs> and I'd say that on expanding that conversation more broadly, let's just be kind to each other. And before we pass judgment on each other, whether it relates to animal welfare or not, hopefully we're all in this together. Let's look at how we can be a community. Let's look at helping each other out when we can. Yeah. Thank you so much for your work. And I wanted to ask you, where can we find Rough Haven online and or on social media? We do have a website. So it's roughhaven.org. It's R-U-F-F haven.org. We also have a really active social media site, especially on Facebook and Instagram. So yeah, you can find us all over social media. And I think Facebook is probably the best way to kind of keep up to date and all the innovative programming and the really heartwarming stories that we share. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for your time. It was so heartwarming to speak with Chemo and to hear how much we have in common. I also knew that I was gay from a young age and also struggled having to deal with the idea of what our religions had to say about that and also just creating this new sense of family and having our parents accept us. Through it all, Chemo has found his path and he's found this beautiful, special meaning of what family means to him. And this is a version that includes furry family members, similar to my family. I love that Kimo has now translated this into the work he's doing with Rough Haven, and also that he's helping other families who have dogs as part of their world. It's really a beautiful cycle. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by, as it should be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. Special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also find show merch in our online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address 
bark at dogsavethepeople.com. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode from Dog Save the People. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you.